Space. Some regions are vast and empty. Other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the show for this week. It is Monday, May 28th, 2018. Boy, what a weekend in sports that we just had. Champions League final, Indy 500, Bonaco. I'm sure I'm uh, forgetting a whole bunch of other things. I still haven't gotten through all the things I've recorded on my PVR over the past couple of days. It was Champions League and then uh, Monaco. i kind of been in and out of uh, the, the Indy 500, no willpower one. Missed the last, I don't know, 75 laps or something like that. But hey, when you're as busy as I am and <laughs> there are so many top level things to watch, something's got to give. But amazing, amazing stuff. So, guys, I apologize right off at the top of the show here. I don't know what is in the air in the environs here in Vancouver, but as far as Mondays go, and admittedly, I'm not a fan, just like 99.9% of the rest of you, but my Monday went pretty good until about 5 o'clock this afternoon when I got home from work. And there is just something in the air floating around here. My nose has been running. I've been sneezing. My eyes are all itchy and red, and I'm obviously allergic to something around here. (laughs) Or I'm coming down with a cold. That's quite a a possibility too. But considering I'm feeling pretty good, I'm, I'm going with the former that it's allergies. So if I sneeze and sniffle and wheeze through this entire program, you have my apologies, but I'll do the best to grin and bear it. So... What did you guys make of uh, the Monaco Grand Prix? My goodness, Daniel Ricciardo getting it done, not just on Sunday, but all weekend long in free practice and in qualifying. Absolutely amazing stuff from the, the, the Honey Badger. And we all knew going into this race, at least, uh, you know, once we started getting into the free practice sessions, that it was going to be Red Bull. They uh, obviously were quicker, both the Red Bulls fastest throughout practice. Hamilton was saying all the things that that they weren't going to be able to to really push and keep up with uh, with, with Red Bull and the and the Ferraris. And by and large, uh, Lewis was correct. Last year, of course, um, Mercedes did not have the greatest of weekends, but that was really the turning point in in 2017 for them. But anyhow, all the news is on Red Bull, for better and worse. There is a little bit of bad news in there, of course. And talk about a weekend of complete polar opposites. At one end, you have Daniel Ricciardo setting the news, setting the headlines for all the right reasons. You've got his teammate, Max Verstappen, again, just can't keep it clean. He uh, crashed his car at the uh, the end of uh, free practice three, left his mechanics with way too much of a job to do to, to fix that car and get it back out on the track for qualifying, had to get a gearbox change, and Max starting at the back of the grid for Monaco. Well, you knew that was going to be exciting, and despite all the problems that Max had, 
He did manage to salvage a P9, which I think is quite impressive from from Max. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about him a little bit later on. Right now, all the news is focused on uh, Daniel Ricardo, and rightly so. And guys, I, I must admit, I've got a, sp- a soft spot for Danny Rick. I think he's a, a good driver. I think that uh, that honestly, I don't think he gets all the 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 plaudits, the accolades, gets all the love that he deserves. And I was still disappointed and upset for him two years ago <laughs> when he was leading that race, and then of course was not able to to bring it home. He had that that unfortunate botch. Pitch uh, pit stop, in which he pulled into the, uh, the the pit lane, and his team did not have any tires for him, and that ruined his afternoon. So it was great to see this year that uh, Danny Rick was able to finally set that right. I mean, he's gone very well around Monaco over the past several years. Obviously, last year it was a one-two Ferrari finish, but Daniel Ricciardo finished third place last year, and not all that far behind uh, Kimi Raikkonen, who uh, in 2017 finished 3.1 seconds behind his teammate, and then there was a similar uh, gap back to Daniel Ricciardo in third place. But this weekend, it was not even close. The Red Bull obviously the class of the entire field and that qualifying session i honestly i found it quite exciting quite interesting to watch when you saw how fast daniel ricardo was just going setting just posting faster and faster times it was absolutely something to, to behold and uh, shattering the track record a couple of times and setting a uh, a fastest well the, the 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 pole clinching time of a 1 minute point 10 sorry a 1 minute 10.8 seconds amazing stuff and S- sebastian vettel who was also uh, on the alongside him on the front row uh, 111.039 so also a very impressive time from uh, from sebastian vettel the race itself my goodness you know i guess it really comes from your point of view I must admit that I was really intrigued and I was really hoping that uh, Daniel Ricardo was going to be able to to hold on to uh, to this one. I mean it's one thing to qualify in uh, on pole position in Monaco, but it's another thing to hang on. I mean the 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 race is 78 laps long. Prior to this weekend, we'd seen a safety car every year for the past decade. Uh, decade, So he just knew that something probably was going to happen at some point. And there's always a ton of mechanical issues and failures. And it seems that every year there is a large number of uh, the cars just don't make it because the cars break. I mean, it is a very demanding circuit mentally, physically on all the equipment. So to to get all but three cars finish that race, I think is is absolutely an amazing uh, statistic. <clears throat> Excuse me. However, <laughs> there was again a distinct lack of passing. I know that uh, Max Verstappen he stayed out there for a very very long time. I mean he went with the I believe he went with the super soft tires, which were the hot, hardest compounds uh, available for the race, and put in something I don't I can't remember exactly which lap he uh, he pitted on, but I think it was about lap forty five ish thereabouts. And he carved his way quite a ways up from the field. I mean, he started 20th. He was in the points at that time. And uh, coming back out, he was able to get uh, to get back out on the track and uh, keep uh, pushing uh, forward and finishing in the points. Uh, it was a very impressive uh, performance by the young Dutchman. But, I mean, elsewhere on the field, we didn't really see it. Uh, Ricardo... And when he came on over the radio, what was it, about lap 20 or whatever it was, saying that he was having a loss of power, you just felt, 
you, you could almost hear it in his voice at that uh, point that <laughs> that things were going uh, wrong, and you almost felt like, oh no, are we going to have a, a, a repeat? of what happened in, uh, in in 2016, this time not the tires, but a, a mechanical failure. And who would have thought that he would have run basically three quarters of that race down 160 horsepower after the MGUK failed on the car? Who would have thought it? They are comparing, and when I say they, <laughs> a lot of people, including Christian Horner and uh, pundits and media and fans everywhere, are saying it is uh, just as impressive, if not more impressive, than Michael Schumacher's performance at the 1995 Spanish Grand Prix when he managed to finish, what was it, I think, fifth position or something like that, when he only had fifth gear. I mean, that was uh, absolutely amazing in itself. But Ricardo going 50 laps and not having his top two gears, and the meanwhile holding off, obviously, a much faster Ferrari in uh, Sebastian Vettel at that point, is uh it's incredible i think christian horner said after the race he compared it to apollo 13 which of course was the the uh the the moon mission way back in the 60s 70s <laughs> whatever that was before my time at any rate where they had a mechanical problem and it looked unlikely that the astronauts were not going to make it back to earth a somewhat very dramatic comparison by christian horner but a very, I think, an appropriate one in the sense that you would not have thought with that much uh, left in the race that Daniel Ricciardo would still be able to to bring it back around, not not just to finish, but to finish on top. I mean, that was an absolutely sublime and phenomenal performance by Daniel Ricciardo. And again, for the guy that does not have a contract for 2019, obviously his contract at Red Bull runs out the end of the season. I think that he's done quite a bit this year uh, to really make a good case. Uh, who knows? Who knows at this point where Daniel Ricciardo is going to to lead or end up? I mean, he's currently third in the drivers' championship behind Lewis Hamilton, Sebastian Vettel. Lewis has 110 points. Sebastian is 14 points behind with 96, and then Danny Rick third place, 72 points, four points ahead of Valtteri Bottas, and uh, a dozen points of Kimi Räikkönen who rounds out the top five. Of course, the top six, well, I forgot to, to mention uh, Max Verstappen. He is uh, six in the Drivers' Championship at the moment with uh, 35 points. And of course, well, I mean, he's a ways back. Obviously, Max has had his issues uh, so far this year, but it's always going to be those three, or sorry, those three teams and those six drivers. Uh, and it's no surprise to see Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel on the top there. But to see Daniel R- Ricciardo nicely inserted between the the second uh, Mercedes of uh, Bottas and the second uh, Ferrari of Kimi Raikkonen, I think it's great. And uh, obviously, um, he's been helped by some very good tactics uh, from his team. Uh, we go back all the way to China several we- weeks ago when they double stacked himself and Max Verstappen to capitalize on the safety car after the two uh, Toro Rosos collided. And that, again, was amazing. They they capitalized when uh, Ferrari and uh, Mercedes were a little bit uh, conservative. And uh, Ricardo gets a win, gets a win this weekend. And it is very, very good to see. So shall we talk a little bit now about his teammate Max Verstappen? 
Again, we're six races through this thing so far, 21 races this year, sixth race. So we're almost after Canada in two weeks' time. It's going to be the, the one-third of the, the season already, which seems incredible. It seems like only a couple of weeks ago when we were just going through all the, the car launches and unveilings for, for 2018. And here we are, truly into the thick of it for, for this season. And if you look back over the past half dozen races, there's been something going on with uh, with Max Verstappen in each and every one of them. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's been difficult for him, and and uh, there there's obviously tension there. He's uh, he, he's a bit on the hot seat. I mean, I I cannot imagine that there would be a scenario where uh, at this point, at any rate, that uh, that Red Bull would do something as drastic to uh, you know part company with Max Verstappen. I mean, you know, I've been critical of Max over over time, but you know, don't get me wrong. I think he's an amazing driver, and I I think really think the world of him. I think that Formula One is better with Max driving a car, but you know he he still has that 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 I don't know hot headedness or I mean he's a very impulsive and a very reactive driver and we've seen that if you leave the door not even half open if you leave the door a quarter of the way open Verstappen's going to have a go nine times out of ten and and this year it's gotten him in trouble in uh, in, in several occasions go back to the incident uh, that he had with uh, Sebastian Vettel in in China. Obviously, uh, Seb came off uh, worse for wear in that one, but uh, Verstappen, a little bit too impatient. And that's the same word that uh, that Dr. Helmut Marko uh, mentioned uh, this past, past weekend, that it's impatience that uh, is getting Verstappen into these problems. Because like I was just uh, saying that if you go back to China, that if Max had just kept his cool a little bit longer, because the, the Red Bulls were obviously faster than the Ferraris and the Mercedes in that race, that if he just maybe waited a little bit longer, there would have been a double podium for the Red Bulls there at Shanghai and quite possibly Verstappen being Max Verstappen being such a fast driver that he is who knows maybe he could have challenged Daniel Ricciardo for that one as well and perhaps uh, could have won another Grand Prix sadly we'll never know but he's had some uh, some some incidents uh, in qualifying and free practice and in the races and uh, it, it's not always involving other cars, but uh, the, this past weekend, of course, he crashes at an FP3, ends up starting from the back of the grid, and you just must have realized, or he must have realized at that point, because it was obvious to everybody else that they had the quickest car, and he should have been up there challenging his teammate, not just for pole position. I mean, it should have been a front row lockout for both Red Bulls. That should have been a one-two finish for Red Bull. And again, Max left wondering, what 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 could have been and again very very disappointing but I like what I heard from Max Verstappen after the race that he went out there benefited from a good strategy I mean by and large he kept his uh, his nose clean I mean there there was a bit of back and forth there with Carlos Sainz and uh, obviously uh, Max you know had to uh uh, well, he cut the chicane, went over the curbs, but you know, I, I'm going to cut the guy a bit of slack. Uh, he did try to to make it stick. I don't know if uh, you, you could really make that argument that uh, he gained an advantage because he really did try to get back onto the onto the racing line, and I think he lost a lot of speed and a lot of time. So I, I'm willing to give Max that one. So who knows? 
maybe this is the the, the wake up call that he needs. I mean, God knows that <laughs> that he needs it for himself, but the the, the team because he's left a lot of points out on the table this year in, in 2018 and also uh, last year as well. But last year, 2017, not so much Max's fault. Obviously, I mean, the poor guy in last year was the victim of so many unfortunate mechanical failures and letdowns. And uh, you just got to think that, how does he keep his head high? I mean, it, it's got to be difficult. I mean, he, he knows he's got the talent. He knows he's got a pretty good, decent car. I mean, the Renault engine, obviously, still lacking a little power, I think, obviously, uh, com- when compared to the Ferrari and the Mercedes engines. Uh, but still, I mean, you have to think that uh, after he had that uh, podium finish in Spain a couple of weeks ago, that maybe he was starting to get things going his way. But uh, again, that uh, race lost the end of his front wing, the end plate, when he came together with one of the Williams. So it's a, it's been a tough, tough go for Max. And like I say, hopefully he can turn it around because Formula One is more exciting with uh, with Max Verstappen, <clears throat> with Max Verstappen in it. And uh, I don't know. I, I still think that the guy has what it takes to be a, a, a world champion. I think that uh, hopefully that, uh, you know, he's got his dad, Yoss, uh, obviously a, a former Formula One driver uh, in his corner. And uh, hopefully Max is just, uh, I hope he's just not letting him get it down <laughs> or get him down at this point. I think he's just got to kind of ride through this. I mean, he's he's had his ups and downs and his luck's got to turn for the better at some point and it would uh, benefit all of us to see Max up there challenging uh, for for not just uh, pole positions but uh, for race wins and and really getting in there and, and, and mucking it up with the, the the rest of the drivers so I, ha- I hope it happens soon but again <laughs> I keep going back and thinking about uh, Daniel Ricardo and uh, just uh, the uh, the impressive nature of not just uh, that race but I mean it really capped a, a, a sublime weekend and uh, he even said uh, afterwards that when he he realized he had problems and he was down 160 horsepower when that MGUK failed, he said he wanted to close his eyes and start crying after the engine issue. But, uh, you know, lack of passing notwithstanding, I think that uh, it was a very interesting race. But it, uh, it was surprising to me when he was up to 20 kilometers an hour slower on the fastest parts of the circuit uh, compared to Sebastian Vettel. That Seb, although at some points he was very, very close, you know, half a second here, a second there, just could not get close enough to to really to try and challenge uh, Ricardo for, uh, you know, for that uh, for that lead in the race. And obviously, I think what with the problems that he had, that if he he got in front of uh, Ricardo, then it would have been uh, race over. But Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso, six world championships uh, between the two of them. Uh, did not really have uh, any anything really flattering to say about the the, the race afterwards. Uh, Alonso back in Monaco this year after racing the the Indy 500. The two two races, the two classics, overlap each and every year on uh, on the same weekend. And uh, so the, this year, after uh, the Monaco was done, uh, Fernando had made some uh, tweet uh, that he was going to go off and watch the uh, the race of the day, which was uh, the Indy. 
and uh, he called it one of the uh, the, the dullest, or perhaps uh, I'm misquoting him, uh, perhaps he said it was the dullest race in uh, Formula One uh, history. And um, Lewis kind of seconded that, but Lewis not quite as blunt as uh, as, uh, as uh, Fernando can be. But uh, Lewis said that uh, Formula One should consider a new format for Monaco after it served up a, a race that he said was low on excitement and he was just... Uh, he wasn't really racing anybody, and he was just uh, spent most of the race uh, cruising around. <clears throat> so, what could be some of the options that uh, that they could do there? Uh, Lewis was uh, suggesting maybe they make the the circuit longer. He said that uh, that when they're they're doing such short lap times, you know, Danny Rick setting a, a pole position in one minute ten. I think the the fastest lap that Max Verstappen set in the second half of the uh, the, the race was somewhere. I think it was a one fourteen. I think it was high or mid 114. So, uh, you know, quite a bit, uh, about four seconds uh, off, uh, a little, about four and a half seconds slower than uh, Ricardo's pole setting time, but still, I mean, very, very impressive. And uh, Lewis thinking that uh, perhaps maybe making the circuit longer, would, would that change the, I don't know, what do you want to call it, the the, the DNA, the identity of, uh, of Monaco if they made it longer? Could they break it up into sprints, as I've heard that uh, some people have suggested? Maybe two shorter races uh, over over different times on the day and perhaps some sort of aggregate kind of results. I don't know. You weight them in different ways or something. I don't know. It, it's interesting. And it, it's strange. I mean, honestly, it is not my one race I really look forward to on the calendar. This year, I think it was, I, I found it exciting just because I got kind of engrossed in the soap opera that was uh, Daniel Ricardo and the problems that he had. But I, I know that it's Monaco is that race that kind of really personifies or uh, I guess really shows what Formula One is, the power, the glamour, the, 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 the money and all those extravagant, luxurious lifestyles and things like that. So I, I can understand that. And of course, a lot of the drivers live in Monaco. Lewis lives there. Uh, Nico Rosberg lives there. I mean, so many of the, the, the drivers, obviously. So, I, I mean, it's like having a Grand Prix in, the, in their backyard. It's been on uh, the, the World Championship for decades and decades and decades. So I get that. But what could they do? Uh, I mean, it's, it, it obviously was unexciting. And uh, it could have been, it could have been even more of, it could have been worse, obviously, if uh, Ricardo just cruised around and didn't have any problems. But still, I guess, uh, at least from that point of view, that uh, it did liven things up. And the the virtual safety car at the end made things uh, interesting when uh, Paul Charles Leclerc drove up the back, Brenda, uh, drove up the back of Brendan Hartley when his brakes failed at the end of the tunnel there later in the race. And and that was disappointing because it was interesting just how the strategies worked. You had the front runners go in and change uh, their tires earlier in the race. And then just the way that, uh, that that things played out with Ricardo being so slow and how the teams and the cars in the middle of the pack actually forced the front runners into into a one-stop strategy because of a lot of them, like if uh, Vettel uh, and, and Hamilton, Botas and Raikkonen and, and Ricardo himself uh, perhaps were to go in for a pit stop, that they would fall behind these, uh, these mid-runners, uh, the guys in the middle of the pack. And uh, really, it, it forced them to, to go to a one-stop strategy. And I thought it was quite interesting. At one point, Lewis got on race radio and just basically said that uh, they, he couldn't make those front tires or his tires in general go another uh, 30 laps. 
uh, to which his uh, his race engineer said, "Well, <laughs> you know, yeah, you're not the only one. Vettel, Raikkonen, uh, Ricardo, Bottas, they're all dealing with the same uh, issue." And uh, basically said, "You know, that none of their tires look any better than than yours." And it was quite fascinating. But I thought it, later in the race there, uh, when we got down to uh, I guess with about 10 laps or so, and you can see that uh, Esteban Ocon, the Force India, was really starting to, he was really closing in, and Valtteri Bottas got within a couple of seconds of him, and I was really hoping that we might see something from Ocon and really uh, push Bottas there for that uh, that fifth place towards the end. Unfortunately, when uh, Leclerc and, and Hartley had that big uh, crash that uh, brought out the, uh, the the virtual safety car, and that really put, put to bed anything uh, like that. It was disappointing. And of course, uh, Vettel, he kind of came and went and looked like he might be able to get close enough to uh, to, to Ricardo, but just following behind Ricardo for all that uh, time in the race, his tires were pretty much done. And it was amazing. Once that um, that virtual safety car period ended and they went back to full racing speed, that uh, that that Vettel could just not hold on. Ricardo's tires, just having the benefit of being out front, were in much better condition, and, and Seb just could not get any grip in those tires. And you just saw him; I think he was about two and a half seconds uh, behind when that uh, whole uh, uh, virtual safety car period started. And you just saw him dropping back when they went back to to full race speed. Also, it was three seconds, then four seconds, and five seconds. And uh, after that, obviously. Uh, he knew that those tires were done. And at that point, it's just, you know, bring the car home in one piece. You know, you're you're going to get a P2. You're going to close the, the, the gap to Hamilton and, uh, you know, regroup and uh, live to fight another day uh, when, when you get to Montreal in a couple of weeks time. So it was a, a bit of a, I don't want to say a recovery drive, but uh, at least keep your nose clean and don't put it into the wall or uh, risk a puncture. But let's talk about uh, now the, uh, the, the the cars who didn't finish the race. And there weren't really all that many of them. Obviously, Charles Leclerc and uh, Brendan Hartley, they're the two that uh, immediately come to mind because they had that, uh, that big crash at the, uh, the end of the race. And uh, the only other car that uh, didn't finish was uh, Fernando Alonso. He uh, he retired on lap fifty two with gearbox problems, and uh, that that's amazing. If uh, you think that uh, that uh, Leclerc and Hartley say they didn't crash, or uh, perhaps uh, you know Hartley gets away from that uh, scot free, doesn't uh, get driven into by uh, Leclerc, then only two cars out of twenty retire with mechanical issues. That has to be some sort of uh, record uh, for Monaco. So the engineering, or is is it that much better? Or was it just a a bit of a fluke? (laughs) That's a very, very good question. But talking about flukes, was that opening race in Australia for Haas, was, was that the anomaly and they've regressed to the mean now? Uh, obviously, uh, <laughs> Rogro, Roman Grosjean has had his uh, moments in, in Baku, putting it into the wall of trying to keep his tires warm during a safety car week or period. And then in Spain a couple of weeks ago, spinning out on the first lap and collecting uh, <laughs> poor old Pierre Gasly and Nico Hulkenberg, and perhaps uh, came close to collecting a couple others. So both Grosjean and his uh, teammate, Kevin Magnussen, uh, K-Mag, finished in P13. Roman Grosjean finished in uh, P15, both a lap down. Sorry, Magnussen wasn't a lap down, but uh, he was pretty close to it. 
So Haas, they started the year looking uh, very, very impressive, and they've uh, steadily tailed off uh, each and every week. Although, to be fair, Magnussen's had some uh, pretty decent uh, results so far this year, but things are not going very good for Roman Grosjean at uh, the the moment, and um, disappointing stuff for them. But uh, talking about disappointing, Stoffel van Dorn in the second McLaren Renault finished in P14, a lap down, and uh, he was lamenting after the race that he uh, he was basically sacrificed to help uh, Fernando Alonso's race, and uh, he wasn't uh, uh, too too happy about it. He said uh, it, was, it was basically came down to when uh, he should have been pitted. Uh, he was a bit uh, frustrated with that. He was saying that he should have uh, been pitted five laps uh, earlier. And he said that Fernando just came ahead. And uh, when he finally got to, 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 to go on to pit, change his tires, the damage had uh, been already been done. But Van Dorn, I mean, gosh, you know, he's... For a guy that was so impressive when he came into Formula One a couple of years ago, uh, 2016, he raced in Bahrain, second year of, or sorry, second race of the season after uh, Alonso, who had that spectacular crash in uh, in Melbourne in the opening race. Obviously, he wasn't uh, 100% good to go for that, uh, that round of Bahrain. Van Dorn steps in. He was the reserve driver at the time. And he did phenomenal, managed to to score a single point on his Formula 1 debut in P10. And, you know, guys, I would have thought that we would have seen a little bit more from Stoffel Van Dorn at uh, at this point in time. Fernando, he's uh, currently seventh in the championship, 32 points. And uh, Van Dorn, he's all the way down in 15th. He's uh, only managed uh, eighth. And uh, another disappointing result for the young Belgian driver. So, yeah, <laughs> what more is there to say? Hopefully he can get it uh, turned around sooner rather than later. And talking about a- another team that uh, had a horrible weekend, Williams. My gosh, what, 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 what is there left to say about Williams at, uh, at this point? Obviously, they have two very, very young drivers in Lance Stroll and Sergei Sorotkin. Uh, Sorotkin, for me... He still gets a pass. I mean, he's new to Formula One. He's only got a half a dozen Grand Prix under his belt. and But again, they are just way at the back this weekend again. Uh, not really all that uh, <laughs> anything to really write home about. Uh, Stroll was, um, he was, what, two laps down? He had a puncture early in the race and uh, he just... He's just not getting it done. So the whole model, I think, of... Uh, well, they both finished dead last, 16th and 17th. They were the the, the two uh, cars uh, at the back there. But, I mean, just to, even to start the race, Sorotkin's given a 10-second stop-and-go penalty because the you know the Williams uh, pit crew and his mechanics couldn't get his wheels fitted in time before the start of the race. And he goes in to serve his 10-second uh, stop-and-go penalty, which, in effect, in Monaco, well, with the entry into the pits and out of the pits is uh, basically a, a 30 seconds uh, <laughs> uh, stop and go penalty by the, by the time it's all done. So that really kind of ruined his weekend after he qualified uh, fairly well. I mean, he looked uh, much better than uh, than Lance Stroll. And uh, it, I just had this real, oh my God, when, when it rains, it pours because it seemed he'd only just served his stop and go penalty. And all of a sudden, you get that uh, that message that says race control is, uh, or the stewards are investigating that uh, that Sorokin's car 
uh, you know, car number 35 is un, un, under investigation because it was being worked on under the, uh, or during the, the 10 second stop and go penalty. Fortunately for Sorotkin, it didn't turn out that way, but my goodness, uh, for a team with the, the, the history of, uh, producing champions and uh world champions and winning constructors championships and still being a, a fairly constru- a competitive team even just a couple of years ago to be at the back uh, basically at the bottom is absolutely shocking <laughs> what what has gone wrong with williams uh i think we all expected that when patty Lowe went there to uh, to become the technical director at the uh, the beginning of uh, last season that that we would have seen some forward progress but they're they're actually going backwards and i have to wonder i mean we, we get a couple of guys like uh, young guys like stroll and sorotkin that are bringing a lot of money with them obviously uh in, in sponsorship and all that but i mean they're also unproven i mean uh, they're they're both young guys and uh, how, how can you really expect to develop the full potential out of that car? I mean, do they even, are they even able to help, help do that? And uh, well, I've got questions <laughs> about both of them. Like I say, Sorotkin for me gets a, a bit of a pass at, uh, at the moment being uh, the, the new guy, but uh, Lance Stroll, I think we, I think we have to be quite uh, honest at this point in time that uh, if he was cut out for Formula One, uh, you would think that we would have started uh, to see something by now. I mean, if he was as good as, say, uh, Max Verstappen was at, uh, at a similar age, Max uh, started out, of course, with Toro Rosso and was uh, eventually uh, moved up to uh, the, the Red Bull senior team after uh, Daniel uh, Kvyat had uh, developed this unfortunate habit of uh, crashing into Sebastian Vettel whenever uh, was least convenient for, well, obviously least convenient for, <laughs> for Sebastian Vettel, but also uh, perhaps for Sorotkin, uh, or sorry, not for Sorotkin, uh, for Kvyat himself. So who knows? But the thing is with Max, regardless if it was Toro Rosso or with the Red Bull proper, uh, he really did impress sooner rather than later. And uh, Stroll, I, I I don't know how how much slack and how much uh, uh, latitude you give a guy, but I, I think he's got to start uh, showing something sooner rather than later. I mean, he he did show at one point that when he went in, I think uh, switched up for a, a new pair of uh, or a new set of Hypersoft tires, went out there and was lapping about four seconds faster than uh, Daniel Ricardo, and then after about five laps, I think he was lapping a second slower than Daniel Ricardo. So <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> did Lance go out there and? just get a little bit too excited too soon and burn out that uh, that new set of hypersofts yeah probably but whatever <laughs> okay well let's uh, let's start uh, moving on a little bit here still a couple of things to uh, to to go over uh, we were talking last week uh, that uh, ferrari was under investigation by the fia uh, just in regards with uh, their ers their uh, uh, <coughs> excuse me that uh, their power units, it is within uh, regulations and uh, they've been under investigation or the FIA has been looking into it over the past couple of races in Monaco and Spain. And they're, they're, there's no problem with the energy recovery system. Uh, they, they did fit some hardware to the car this week. Uh, Sebastian Vettel said uh, prior to Monaco, he, he you know, honestly, the, the way that I understood, I, I didn't actually hear the quotes. I read it, but I could almost hear Sebastian whispering it in my ear, so to speak. And uh, he didn't seem very concerned about it. So, uh, you know, perhaps maybe he was just trying to be nonchalant and kind of maybe brush something off. But apparently it is a... Uh, 
not a not an issue. And this goes back to Azerbaijan when uh, the FIA saw some uh, data from Ferrari's power unit uh, that they didn't quite understand. So uh, Charlie Whiting said that uh, they were going to approach Ferrari after that race and, and get an explanation. And uh, they, I guess w- what it came out to is that they were getting more power coming out of the uh, uh, the MGOK than was actually, uh, it was uh, supposed to. It was supposed to be uh, more than the uh, 120 kilowatts of power. And that's um, roughly equivalent to a, a boost of 160 horsepower for roughly 33 seconds per lap. So around a track like Monaco, that's almost 50% of uh, uh, the, the the lap. So that is uh, nothing. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's not a non-issue. That's, uh, that's obviously quite a thing. So if uh, Ferrari were cheating, then obviously they'd have to be uh, held accountable for that. But the FAA and Charlie Whiting seem to be okay with uh, what they found uh, after their investigation over the, uh, the, the past couple of weeks. But uh, I, I think it was it was Red Bull and uh, that uh, that Mercedes that uh, that that were first the were also voices that uh, that really came into that conversation that wanted to know what was uh, going on. But Mercedes and Toto Wolff, uh, they feel and and Toto said that uh, he feels like uh, Mercedes was quote thrown under a bus with this whole Ferrari in, in, inquiry uh, because it it came out and uh, FIA race director Charlie Whiting. Had uh, named uh, Mercedes James Allison, who's uh, the Silver Arrow's current technical chief, who used to be in the same role as uh, Ferrari, was the, the the guy that had first approached the FIA to uh, to raise the concern. So, well, that uh, that raises a bit of a, a red flag right there. What what's going on? Did he say something, or see something, or know something, or did he just have a suspicion, or did he have some inside information? But uh, I guess that's concerning from a, a couple of uh, points of view, but uh, I, I think just in general, I, I think from a confidentiality uh, point of view, I don't think uh, that was really the, the best thing for the FIA and Charlie Whiting to do, to disclose somebody who, I mean, obviously, Allison had a legit uh, concern that uh, that something funny was going on with the, the Scuderia or else he would not have uh, raised it. But if... Uh, you know that that is actually counterproductive. If uh, it, it doesn't help, because if there's a problem like that in the future, and uh, there there's an issue with perhaps one of the, the the teams cheating, if there's somebody that has a suspicion or has some knowledge or or what the, whatever the case may be, how is that person going to feel safe blowing the whistle? If uh, there is <laughs> there there's no confidentiality, uh, that so that's definitely uh, not a good thing. And another piece of news today, uh, Chief Designer Resta leaves Ferrari for Sauber, and uh, that is uh, due to the, the the fact that they uh, had a, uh, a vacancy uh, after Jorg Sander uh, split with uh, with Sauber. And um, Fred Vasser, who's the, the, the new principal at uh, Sauber, or has been for some time, hinted that he was going to make some big-name signings in the in the near future. Of course, there is a bit of a connection with uh, with Sauber and Ferrari. Obviously, they have uh, Ferrari engines and some Ferrari support, and they have the, uh, the Alfa Romeo branding this year. But uh, Simone Resta, he's been with uh, Ferrari, and uh, he's been there since 2001, working in R&D. And uh, he, his uh, Formula One career goes back two decades. Uh, he started with the now defunct uh, defunct Minardi team. So there you go. <laughs> it's a bit of a name from the past. But yeah, very, very interesting this week. And definitely there's so many, so many things to, to keep 
I keep thinking about and going back and uh, just rehashing and reliving that uh, that that uh, Monaco Grand Prix, and just to sort of finish that uh, that thought off before I run out of voice here, I'm feeling a little bit kind of hoarse now, but it's all good. That uh, that Christian Horner said that once they they knew they had a problem with the MGUK on uh, Ricardo's car, that they actually were going to uh, just uh, keep it out there and uh, just basically run it until uh, the engine died or he managed to bring it home and why not i mean let's be honest uh, i i mean red bull they're not going to be constructors championships and it's very highly unlikely that uh, max verstappen or daniel ricardo are going to be challenging for the world drivers championship this year so if you're winning if you're sorry not winning but if you're leading the the, the monaco grand prix you're out front why not? What, what what do you really have to lose? I mean, it was, uh, I guess now hindsight being 2020 that the, the, obviously the gamble paid off, but there obviously must've been, uh, some nerves there on the pit wall in the garage at, uh, at Red Bull. But yeah, I mean, if you are not uh, going to be in that conversation for the, uh, the constructors of driver's championship, why not just to throw all the caution to the wind, so to speak, just go for it, and uh, and this time it paid off. So, congrats to Red Bull. Congrats to Danny Ricardo. And you got to wonder how, how soon are Ferrari or Mercedes going to come knocking, or is Christian Horner and Red Bull going to? Uh, what what are they going to do next year? Are they going to open the checkbook and write uh, Danny Rick a big fat check and, and keep him uh, there for for the next couple of years? It uh, remains to be seen, but that will also be interesting. I think not only uh, it's going to be a question of uh, what money uh, Red Bull could possibly or potentially offer Danny Ricardo for a new contract, but it's going to come down to, I think, what's in the back of the car. Is it going to be a Renault? Is it going to be a Honda? And if so, is that the right choice? Is that going to be the the uh, the engine that is going to push this car and make them contenders again because it's obviously a very very good chassis uh, I, I think that's been proven a couple of times this year and uh, especially in Monaco but uh, that that is literally the $64,000 question obviously Danny Rick's going to want more than sixty four grand to drive for Red Bull next year or for our Mercedes or whoever it might be but uh, a fascinating fascinating scenario coming up to see where Ricardo's going to go and uh, just looking at the way that he was uh, joking around and hamming it up with uh, Lewis Hamilton in the, uh, the the press conference after the, uh, the the Grand Prix yesterday, hey, they get along pretty good together. And nothing against Valtteri Bottas, but I don't know, guys. I kind of like the idea of uh, a Hamilton-Ricardo 1-2 at, uh, at Mercedes. Of course, things would be a little bit different uh, with both of them in the team, but both of them uh, exceptionally talented drivers. Lewis Hamilton, not only the best driver of this generation, but yeah, you can make the argument Lewis is one of the best of all time. And uh, Ricardo, he can prove that uh, that he can win from outside of the front row and uh, he can he can get the job done. So that's it, guys. My voice is starting to really go now. I'm going to end this hot mess right now while I still can and uh, close out with a, a couple of uh, closing thoughts. But anyways, thank you so very much for uh, downloading and listening to the show. If uh, you want to get in touch with me, tweet me at f one pod on Twitter. We're always online, me and, and a bunch of Formula One fans. We're always discussing something. So come join the conversation and uh, let's... Uh, let, let's let's talk F1. And of course, if you have uh, any other feedback, you can also email me at scuderiaf1pod at gmail.com. And that's it. That's a wrap. I'll catch you guys again this time next week.
Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, sportspodcastingnetwork.com. Space. Some regions are vast and empty. Other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? Space. Some regions are vast and empty. Other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from?